This is a special trade deadline recap edition of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, and I'll be joined today by Dave and Becky. We just experienced an absolute whirlwind of a day. Uh, the Rangers were able to sign Chris Kreider to a contract extension, and they also acquired a first-round pick in a trade for Brady Shea. And on a much more serious note, we learned that Pavel Buchnevich and Igor Shesterkin were involved in a car accident on Sunday evening. Thankfully, the accident wasn't serious, though Shesterkin did sustain a rib injury and will be out for at least a few weeks. But all in all, Dave and Becky, wow, what a day. Uh, what are your kind of initial thoughts off the top here? Um, I thought I was going to vomit several times throughout the day, like like very much. And it, it, I had the luck to be working from home today. So I was able to wake up and sit down with NHL Network Um more on that later and the um the when you found when we heard that they pushed back practice to 11 30 and that jd was going to address the media initially at 11 o'clock which wound up being more like 11 20 i wanted to die like that whole hour i was just like what's wrong what is happening this wouldn't just be for a Kreider extension what is this I'd like hood up on my sweatshirt I'm like trying to do some work because I actually have to work you know like it's not just like a free day off and I wanted to vomit the whole entire morning and then so there was the tweet also from some random uh, account that said about the car accident and like you don't really expect to see that, you know, and that kind of also right. is the the same thing with Kobe and like, you know, Sharapanov years ago, that life is precious and you really don't even think about it until something terrible happens. So that was my feeling. Yeah, Dave, what was your morning like? So my morning was first off making sure the blog was still alive because of the issues we had this weekend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, apologies to all of our readers out there. So that actually was fixed. And then I, like Becky, was able to work from home today. And I, like Becky, also have work to do. It's not like we sit there and like, oh, do 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 we're going to just watch TV all day. No, there's work to do. So all of a sudden, we get this news that there's a press conference. And my first reaction was, oh, crap, what are they going to do with Hank? Because you don't call yeah. a press conference to announce a tra- uh, um, you don't call a press conference to announce a trade or a contract extension. You just don't do it. So I'm sitting there wondering. Not four like, hours before the deadline. Yeah. Yeah, like you do that afterwards, like they did, you know, with the press conference at supposedly three o'clock. That wound up being seven o'clock or whatever time it was. <laughs> yeah, it was five o'clock. But, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're sitting there speculating, and then this random account, just not verified, not a lot of followers, not a fake account, not a fake rumor account, but just something that you take with a grain of salt says, oh, this car accident happened, and your first reaction is, you better be right on this, and you better hope that there is nothing, no no injuries or nothing serious that happened. Or the way you broke that is going to be scrutinized for quite some time. And, and that Dave, you got half crucified an, for like retweeting it. 
I did get crucified for everybody got crucified for, re, for retweeting that, and the guy turned out to be right, guy or girl, I don't know who. Yeah, turned out to be right. They turned out to be right, and they were very. They tiptoed around being first and being accurate. And while it would have been nice to have waited for JD to make that announcement, that was the shortest presser ever. You know, <laughs> yep. We at least had some idea that, hey, something happened. It's not serious. Luckily, the only, quote-unquote, only injury is a fractured rib. It could have been so much worse. You know, always wear your seatbelts, guys, no matter what. Yeah. You're not cool if you don't Seriously. wear your seatbelt. Like, we're not in the 60s and 70s anymore. Put on your damn seatbelt. Even if <laughs> yeah. you're in the back well, and seat. It also, it also, you know, um, I, I was first thought when you hear car accident, you know, and this is very sad to think this way, but I, I kind of did wonder, was there alcohol involved and how serious is this going to be? And, and like you both said, thankfully, they were not hurt seriously. The players, I don't know who else was involved in the car accident, although it seems like the accident wasn't their fault either. It was some car in front of them tried to make an illegal U-turn. Um, so, look, I mean, that obviously the health of people, and they are people first before they are hockey players, is paramount. And, and you know, again, Becky mentioned, and there was a big memorial today for Kobe Bryant. When that news came down, that was totally surreal and pretty much impossible to believe. So it does sort of put the, these things in perspective that, you know, these are sports and um, the the sort of preciousness of life is a lot more uh, important than that. But, uh, and yeah, you know, the Rangers calling sort of a snap press conference, announcing it about an hour before it was supposed to happen or about a half hour turned into an hour. I mean, other than watching a an elimination playoff game in overtime, that was about the biggest pit in, in, in my stomach that I've had about the Rangers in a long time. I was really nervous about what that could have been. And I, you know, personally didn't believe that car accident report because it was from some that random kind of unverified account. I thought it was Henrik Lundqvist related. I thought that they were going to announce that he um, was retiring or that they had traded him. Because, yeah, Dave, I agree with you. You wouldn't call a press conference four hours before the deadline to announce a trade. Unless it was somebody like Henrik Lundqvist, right? Yeah, you don't do that. And also, that was the most stressful poker right. game I have ever watched in my life. Waiting for that <laughs> Why is poker still on TV? That's what I want to know. It was skateboarding later on. It was skateboarding for the second press conference. And then, no, yeah, and then it, yeah, I actually had a work call for that, so I missed that entire press conference. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that was your typical, especially, you know, Jeff Gordon is a is not exactly a uh, the most personality uh, driven guy. <laughs> so Jeff. you know, and JD was JD was pretty muted. You know, JD can be pretty entertaining and pretty upbeat, but I think he looked like he was up running on no sleep. They both looked very haggard. Obviously, they were dealing with the car accident situation on Sunday night, so JD probably had very little sleep. Corton was probably up all night uh, between that and the trade deadline stuff, uh, which includes getting Chris Kreider extended to a contract. So let's talk about that. Um, they made it clear uh, yesterday that Kreider remains a big piece of the puzzle as they re-signed him to a seven-year contract that kicks in next season. Uh, John Davidson and Jeff Gorton said pretty clearly that it was a priority to keep Kreider, and they were able to get it done just before the deadline. So what we do know is that it's a seven-year deal at $6.5 million per season. I don't believe we know anything at this point here as we record this on 
um, Monday night about sort of the clauses in the contract, no move clauses, no trade clauses. I do believe the contract's front-loaded. Again, I don't know the details, but, you know, Dave, maybe you could shed some light on why these contracts are front-loaded. I think it has to do with kind of the buyout situation if, if they were to want to buy the contract out later on. So there's a lot of reasons why you'd front-load it, and as of now, Cap Friendly only has, you know, straight $6.5 million hit across the board, mm-hmm. so we don't know any details on it yet. But right. from a team perspective, the buyout cap hit is marginally less but from a broader perspective it's easier to move the contract if there's less cash at the end of it and that's simply because you have teams like ottawa that are uh, maybe ottawa is a bad example to use as a budget team they just (laughs) want to spend as little as possible and have as much of a cap hit as possible but a team like ottawa can take on a contract that is six and a half million dollars and after signing bonuses are paid out on July 1st, there could be real money of only $3.5 million. And for Ottawa, right. they've done this in the past, and I am going to pick on them for this. They can get $6.5 million of a cap hit and get to the floor for $3.5 million. And there's a lot of value there for those kinds of teams. Now, right. we've seen Arizona do stuff like this, but... Uh, it's one of those things where the player also wants to get a lot of his money up front because mm-hmm. you can do more with your money once you have it than waiting for it to be paid out. You know, it's my money and I need it now. Things like that. <laughs> I have as a structured the, settlement. The <laughs> yes, this is a structured I, I have settlement a massive and they new want contract. it now. <laughs> yeah, they have a massive contract from the New York Rangers and they want it now. Um, Becky, what are your thoughts on bringing Kreider back? You have had... Uh, you've written some posts about this, a uh, great debate post that I think you did with Justin a co- probably a couple of months ago now. But now that the dust has settled, the deal is signed, uh, what are your thoughts on bringing Chris Kreider back for seven years at $6.5 million per season? So I said last week I thought that um, they were going to re-sign him. And it's interesting, too, because this morning, right, so Pajot went from Ottawa to the Islanders for a first, a second, and a third. I think it was 2020 first and second and 2021 third. Does that sound right? Yes, um, I think 2022 so. third. A 2022. Okay, thank you. And, you know, the initial thought I have is like, you know, what I think a lot of people had also. This is not unique, but holy crow, you know, Kreider can get a lot also. Um so when I heard that they re-signed him, I wasn't surprised. When I heard it was seven years, I was like a little, uh, I don't really know how to put that into words. Um, and then I saw the terms and I was like, wow, this is great. Like this was a great move. And especially to be front loaded because he'll be 35 at the end, right? 28 now. Plus yeah, he'll seven. take it through his 35 okay. season. Right. So I like even if, if he has like even like one to two bad years at the end of that, you can trade that away and you're yeah, not really movable. bearing too much of a cap. Yeah. And I know, um, like I know that the terms and you're right. Cap friendly does it says it's unconfirmed the terms right now. I don't know who has it. If you have it like great, you're lucky, whatever. But, um, they, it is front loaded. I read something on Twitter today and again, it's Twitter. So who, 
take it with a grain of salt that a lot of the money is coming in a bonus. Um, and I wonder about a no trade or a no move, but I haven't heard right. anything about that. And I know that his last contract had a modified no trade. So um, I don't really, I, I like, I've gotten to the point where I really do trust Gordon. I think Gordon is very good. I'm very happy with him as our GM. And I kind of trust him where I think he gave up on years. You know, he he kind of gave a bit on years. Kreider's camp gave a bit on term because I, I was expecting it to be more like, if we're going seven years, at least seven million. That's that was kind of what I thought. Right. Um, I just think it works out for everyone, you know, and like I, there is some something romantic to Chris Kreider being a lifelong ranger. Yeah, there's totally there's a and I think that he sees the value in that and that value goes beyond the to him, at least it goes beyond the potential ten million dollars he left on the table. I mean, if you extrapolate it out, right, say he could have gotten um, another million uh and he could have gotten the extra year from another team or no he couldn't have gotten eight but he could have gotten maybe another million or million and a half potentially if a team was really looking to uh to splurge then um a team with cap space then then you know the guy left a, a not insignificant amount of money on the table to stay a ranger um to me this just states a couple of things i think that even though the team is still building and we will get to the kind of bigger picture stuff in a bit, especially vis-a-vis the Brady Shea trade. Um, this is sort of a stated intention that we're close to the end of this, this, this part of the project and that Kreider is, he is part of the, what we see as the core of the next contending team. I mean, you don't sign this guy unless you think you're somewhat close. And again, close is a relative term. They don't, they don't think they're close this year, but I think they think they could be close in a year or two. So, and they believe Kreider is still going to be a very effective, if not elite player, um, in that time frame. So that's what they're paying for. And I think, you know, you see this all around sports. When you do decide to spend money on a guy and, and, and commit a lot of years, you really pay for the first five or five years of the, of the contract and you live with the declining production on the back end of the contract. And I think the Rangers made that choice today. I think the other thing, you know, that's possible is that Kreider's game, you know, there's been a lot of debate. Will it age well or will it not age well? Obviously, speed goes away over time, but instinct doesn't, strength really doesn't. You know, he's a he's a big guy who keeps himself in impeccable shape. That's actually something that JD called out specifically in the press conference earlier on uh, on Monday afternoon. Um, so I think there's more good than bad here. And, and yeah, it's obviously a case of a clear compromise, as you said, Becky, where the Rangers uh, gave in on the years and let him have that seventh year. And uh, Kreider's agent and and Kreider himself gave up, you know, half a million a year um, in terms of dollars. So all around, I think it's something to be happy about. And I think um, that seemed to be the sentiment for the most part across the fan base today. And to expand on that skill set that may or may not age well, speed, you assume he's going to lose a step or two. As one of the fastest players in the league, hopefully he'll just be league average speed. But you assume he's going to be a step behind. The two skills that age fine as long as you're not injured are strength. The guy can jump out of a pool. He's not going to lose that unless he stops going to a gym. And that's not going to happen. And the other is net front presence. And I've been stressing that with Kreider. He is 
going to go through a transition period like the way a power pitcher in baseball becomes a finesse pitcher. Right now, he can use brute strength and speed to get himself into scoring opportunities. He's eventually going to see that speed disappear, and he still has his fallback skill of a great net front presence, one of the best, if not the best in the league, at screening the goalie and getting deflections on net. That skill does not go away. You don't lose your hand-eye coordination unless you take unless, you know, you wind up blind like Mark Stahl. But <laughs> poor Mark Stahl. Poor Mark Stahl. But those two skills a, they're not related to uh, they're obviously hockey skills, but they're not something that just disappears overnight. Like your reflexes yeah. disappear, you slow down a little bit, but he's a very smart hockey player. He gets to the front of the net, and you need that skill. And it, it look at uh, I think it was Tomas Holmstrom played until he was thirty eight, and he was still putting up fifteen twenty goals a year. I think it was Holmstrom. Yep. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think you're. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I think what's worth noting is Kreider hasn't had a thirty goal season. He like, might this year. He might. He also sat at twenty nine last year for a while. So I just That's like true. So He's saying like, oh, like you just turn into a, saying like, oh, you, you like turn into a 20 goal score, like just adjust it a little. I think it was a good deal. I'm saying that as a I'm happy this happened. I'm not trying to be like curmudgeon but I think it's like actually kind of funny that like last year he just sat at 29 goals. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing and I, I wanted to make this point on the show last week, uh, but it kind of slipped my mind. I think ultimately what what this whole trade deadline came down to, and I think with Kreider, he's the best example of it is, you know, which players on the team are are replaceable either by like for like players, so guys that are of roughly the same skill level, or where or in places where you can upgrade, and you know, uh, and we'll get to Brady Shea in a second, but I, I think the Rangers just decided Kreider's too unique a player, and I, and I think that that's true. I mean, you look around the league. I watch a lot of hockey. I think we all do in addition to just the Rangers. And there are v- really is not a lot. There are not a lot of players like him. You know, there are guys who, yes, are better pure scorers. There's a couple of guys that are faster than him. But that combination of size, strength, scoring ability, which is in the upper tier of the league. I mean, 25 goals plus now uh, in the NHL is still considered, a, you're considered a very, very good goal scorer when you get that number pretty much every year. Um I think they just decided that even if we did get two firsts and a decent prospect back, are we really finding another guy like Chris Kreider? And he fits so well with what we're trying to do, you know, not only um, on the ice, but off the ice. You know, and, and I think that they don't, you know, I, I think a lot of people would like the Rangers for some reason to, uh, you know, look less at the sort of off the ice, the in the room, the the culture perspective or the culture aspect. But I think they really believe in the guy's mental capacity, his leadership ability, and I think that that factored into why they wanted to keep him and, and why they felt he was irreplaceable as well. So um, any other thoughts on Kreider before we move along to Brady Shea? I have one more item, and Rob, you touched on this. We're probably going to get to it a little bit with the Shea trade. Is The Rangers are picking players to keep based off when they think they're going to compete for a cup 
And we've said this a lot, that it's not necessarily next year. It's the 2021-2022 season. And Kreider as at 31, I think, for that season, unless he legitimately falls off a cliff, in which case it doesn't matter if it was five years or seven years, he fell off a cliff. There's nothing you could do about it. He's going yeah. to be an integral top six part of that contending team. And we already know that the guys in the locker room look up to him. So when you combine that with where the Rangers are currently in their rebuild and how they're taking the next step to continue the rebuild but also move towards transitioning to competing, you need a player like Kreider, like Zibanejad, guys who aren't necessarily 19, 20 years old, and have been there and been around the block to help guide everybody as they start becoming more relevant in the NHL. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to Brady Shea. So this was the only trade the Rangers made today, and they dealt Brady Shea to the Carolina Hurricanes for a first-round pick. Uh, what we know about that pick is um, basically I believe that it's top 10 protected, or at least the Toronto pick is. So Carolina has two first-round picks. Basically, the Hurricanes GM said that um, – the Hurricanes re, uh, retain the right to choose which pick they want to send to the Rangers, so it'll be the lower pick, obviously. Um, but either way, they add a first-rounder to their uh, their cachet of, of picks. They now have two first-rounders in the 2020 draft. They also have their first-rounder in the 2021 draft. They have 19 overall draft picks in the next two years. So, um, And this is something that uh, J.D. stressed in the press conference. You know, the Rangers are still casting an eye towards the future and keeping the big picture in mind. Um, we did not expect them to buy at this deadline, and it definitely would not have made sense to buy at this deadline, but I think they sort of nailed, at least in my opinion, nailed the um, the middle ground between being buyers and sellers. You know, they didn't buy, although they acquired Gauthier uh, last week for, the, for Joey Keane, but they did do a little bit of a sell with Brady Shea. So... Um, Becky, I'll get your thoughts on kind of what did you think about the the Shea trade? And by the way, a quick hat tip to Shayna Goldman for being the first to break that story today. Uh, you know, Shayna of The Athletic, she, she did a great job. And I think that was her first uh, piece of breaking news. So definitely wanted to uh, do a quick stick tap there. Yeah, no, that was definitely really impressive. So great job, Shayna, if you're listening. Um, I don't have much of a feeling about it. Um first round pick that's that's great I think that as we saw with the trade last week you know Gautier for uh, Joey Keane that were pretty stacked at defense and Shea was you know 5.25 million on the books so if you can alleviate some of that then that's good especially knowing that you're gonna have uh, some free agents you have to pay in the summer and um yeah like I you know I'm also, like, I'm gung-ho on the uh, extend Mika's advantage at, you know, like, why why, why not do it now instead of waiting for two years from today when I will probably really have a stroke, so. Um, CBA won't let you. Can't extend until the year, on the last year of the contract, sorry. <sighs> okay. I know, I know, I suck. No, it's okay, the CBA sucks. Um... But yeah, but you know, I mean, like you, it does, it frees up some space for you to, uh, for you to play around with, you know, your free, I mean, I have this, I've got a feeling 
that Tony D'Angelo is going to be a little bit difficult to deal with in the offseason. He deserves a raise. Yeah, he definitely deserves Mm -hmm. a raise. Um, He wasn't, you know, he held out this year. So if you can have more money, I think you need to move him, though. I think you need to move him to the left. So that's just my two cents. Yeah, Dave, you've been banging banging that drum. Oh, my God. I have been beating... So when uh, first off, that was phrased so poorly. Uh, what I just said <laughs> um, for the entire season, I have basically said one of two things: either you have to trade D'Angelo, or you have to free up room and move him to the left side. You can't pay D'Angelo five million dollars and be the third right defenseman. You it just it's right that those are the contracts that get you into trouble. Your depth players making quote-unquote death players, obviously, making a ton of money. With D'Angelo, you had to free up space somewhere. And I know I've been beating the Brendan Smith to Ottawa in the offseason drum, but trading Shea not only opens up $5 million to give to D'Angelo, it opens up a spot next to Jacob Truba for D'Angelo to get 20 minutes a night and honestly, for the last 20 games, he should be getting 20 minutes a night to see what he can do on a top pairing with more, with better players against him so that we can see what he does at even strength. You put him on the left, he's offensively inclined anyway, so it'll open him up to see the ice better and make better passes. He's not all that great in the defensive zone to begin with, so moving him to the left is not necessarily going to exacerbate any issues. But that's what this trade for Shea, with Shea did is it opened up that option to keep somebody that they may not have been able to keep. And it stinks that it's Shea because I liked him. I thought he was turning a corner and at the very least was a steady presence who is a little bit overpaid and out of his realm on the top pair. So he was out of his room, yeah, I mean, but you, you can't pay him $5 million to be your second pair. You can't. Yeah, that's... You gotta dump him. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's what this comes down to is that, you know, I think... And a lot of people are sort of wary because Carolina is considered, you know, maybe the smartest organization. They're, they're, they are definitely every um, sort of uh, fancy stats guy's favorite team for the most part because of the way they kind of run run the show over there. And they do have some really smart people in the front office. Um, they also have, you know, uh, they had the whole bunch of, you know, jerks thing. And then they had David Ayers beat the Maple Leafs over the weekend. So that was you know, they're like, they're, 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 which was unbelievably amazing. Um, but, but you know, there, there's sort of this um, skepticism when you deal with them because, everyone's thinking, oh, that Carolina is going to outsmart us in this trade or in this transaction. Then, of course, you look at the fact that the Rangers were able to get Adam Fox uh, from Carolina. And, you know, um, he's turning out to be, you know, potentially a legit number one defenseman, you know, not only on his team, but maybe one of the best, you know, five in the league, the way he's kind of projecting it early in his career here. So, um, you know, there's basically a question now, you know, are the Hurricanes going to be able to get more out of Shea? Are they, are they going to be able to turn him into a proper top pair defenseman? They must think that they can because they were willing to kind of take that contract on and, and, and the term that comes with it because, you know, frankly, they're otherwise stacked at defense. I mean, you know, I know they have a lot of injuries this year, but 
either they think they can move Brady Shea again if, if he becomes surplus to needs, or they think he's a potential long-term solution somewhere on their blue line. So that remains to be seen. But I think, you know, the Rangers also have, they still have depth on the left side in the organization. They're going to give Libor Hayek another look. I know he hasn't looked great. They definitely want to give Yegor Rykov a look. Um, Ke'Andre Miller's coming up out of college. I would expect him to maybe turn pro next year. And, uh, you know, look, from a short-term perspective, they said today that Brendan Smith is probably going to slot in on the blue line. I don't think they're going to make any call-ups right away. At least that's what Jeff Gorton seemed to indicate. So, um, yeah, to your point, Dave, I mean, what would make the most sense is D'Angelo moving to uh, the left side to play alongside Truba. Um, Lingren and Fox kind of remain in that, you know, second pair role that they've been in. And then you go with kind of Mark Stahl and Brendan Smith. You know, are, uh, the, a lot of people kind of laugh and say, oh, my God, of course, that's such peak Rangers for that to be the third pair. But Smith looked OK in limited action on defense earlier this year. And, and I think a lot of people still think he can play. So um, I guess we'll see how that turns out. And then they can always call someone up from the minors. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the defense is still a work in progress, but it's certainly in better shape now than it was two years ago. And I will say this with what we've seen with Neil Pionk. And Kevin Shattenkirk becoming good-ish players when they left the Rangers. And with the way Jacob Truba has struggled since coming to... Well, not necessarily struggled. That's a bad word. He's not what was expected. And he's certainly taking his time to adjust to the system. If Shea leaves the Rangers and all of a sudden becomes this bona fide top-pairing defenseman with no struggles at all, you have to get rid of Lindy Ruff at that point. (laughs) There's too much evidence of players leaving the Rangers and becoming good and coming to the Rangers and becoming bad. That is the hill I die on at this point. Shays are litmus test. We've had too many people leave the Rangers and look good and come to the Rangers and look bad for this to continue. A little bit of a tangent, but I'm just saying I'm putting it out there. I think it's I think it's fair. I also think that you know Lindy Ruff has probably served his purpose now. He was clearly brought on as kind of a um, sort of a steady hand with NHL experience to be there as David Quinn kind of learned the ropes. It's pretty clear that David Quinn's got this thing now. Um, I think he's probably fully adjusted to being an NHL coach. So, do you really need Lindy Ruff around? Uh, Do you want to try and you know try something else? I don't know. I, I. I'm skeptical about the impact of head coaches, let alone assistant coaches, but I do understand. And there is a lot of evidence to your point, Dave, that, um, you know, the, the, the defenseman leaving the team and playing a little bit better, you know, I think the Pionk thing's a little bit of a red herring because I don't think he's been that good over the, a longer sample. As a matter of fact, earlier today on the, uh, I think on Sportsnet or whatever coverage the NHL network picked up, they were talking about Winnipeg and apparently Winnipeg was looking for a right-handed defenseman that could run the power play. And I was like, wasn't that supposed to be Neil Pionk? I guess he's not really doing that. But that was apparently the thing that they're looking for. Uh, they are a, a worse defensive team than the Rangers now in terms of their shot and chance metrics. So, you know, I think we could pump the brakes the brakes on the Neil Pionk thing. I, I don't think he's that good. I think what we saw last year in extended time with the Rangers is who he actually is. But, um, yeah, I, I, listen, a coaching staff shakeup is always, you know, can always happen and and probably has limited impact either way. Um, so any other any other thoughts on Brady Shea moving on? 
I mean, he was looking better toward the end, so. But yeah, I like honestly just wish him a lot of luck. Like I, I had nothing really negative to say about him, and he will forever give us the Chance the Rapper SNL. Let's go do that hockey skit. So that's true. Oh, that was great. He was the jersey. He was that's the. An that's S, an a S, K, a K, and a J. A J. Yeah. <laughs> nope, not gonna do that. Good shout. Yeah, I mean, he was a solid player, and um, and and yeah, I mean, definitely has a has plenty of hockey ahead of him. He's a young guy, and um, you know, uh, had his moments for the Rangers, and you know, I do think we'll see how Truba reacts because uh, you know Truba and 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 Shea definitely developed a bit of a partnership and chemistry over the last they, twenty twenty five. They games. were, they were, yeah. I mean, they were friends yeah. forever, so. That too, yeah. But even just like I was saying, in terms of the overall upswing of the team in the last couple of months, you know, Trubachet became a pair again and was was getting steadily better as kind of the games went by. So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. But but you know, the Rangers had to do something, and you know, for a while there, and I, I think we can kind of move on to the next kind of piece here. Other than that move, they didn't make any other moves for a while there. I was kind of you know, as three o'clock was approaching and no no moves had been made. I kept thinking to myself, they can't not do nothing, right? I mean, this team is not in a position to stand pat. So the fact that they did get a first-round pick was big. Um, but, Dave, what do you make of the lack of other moves by the Rangers? Obviously, Jesper Foss was kept. No moves involving any of the restricted free agents. No goalie trade. Obviously, that became less likely with the injury to Shesterkin in the in the automobile accident. But, um yeah, I mean, no, not much else happened from the Rangers. They they really had a quiet day, other than uh, other than the Deshay trade. The only thing that surprises me is that Faust is still a Ranger, and my guess is Faust is worth more to the Rangers than he was in a trade because he can only really fetch you what maybe a third or a fourth round pick, and maybe. This is me speculating at this point. Maybe they started having contract talks and Faust, they might be able to keep him for under $2.5 million. I hope. Mm. I, I would keep him for that because he is kind of an everyman around the lineup. That was the only thing I was surprised about. I didn't expect them to move any restricted free agents today. There is a much better market for them at the draft. And specifically... We're fo- I'm focusing on Georgiev and not so much D'Angelo anymore and Strom. Those are the yeah. two guys that I think Strom gets pushed out for his contract demands with Kreider's extension. The Strom contract at multiple years of $5 million or more, that's the contract that ruins your cap situation. Not Kreider. Kreider's your top six. Strom is your middle six. And there's a huge difference yeah. between second liner five million or third liner five million. Third liner five million kills your cap. So the Rangers would be very smart to dump or package Strom and Georgiev if they go that route at the draft for pop and possibly that extra first round pick to get themselves maybe a bona fide top pairing left defenseman or get themselves another bona fide scoring winger. You know, there's too much risk in a Strom contract that he doesn't have the history there. 
And by letting him yeah. play with Panarin for another 20 games, getting him to 70 points, and then saying, hey, this guy's available. He revived his career. Give us a top pairing left defenseman, and we'll give package Georgiev too. That's how you manage your cap and get away with a rebuild while also signing or extending Truba and signing Panarin is you avoid the middle contracts that kill you, and that's why I'm not surprised they didn't make any moves yet. Big moves yet. I mean, in retrospect, like, thank God they didn't trade Georgiev. Oh, could you imagine? I, it, it would be just, like, peak irony right there. <laughs> like, uh, But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good thing, and I think, like you said, like, it's a good move on the draft day, you know, on, coming up to the draft to to get rid of or not get rid of but to package Georgiev because you're giving yourself opportunity and you know I I know that Henrik said today like hey we're gonna have to talk at the end of the season about what's next and but I just don't really see the Rangers organization 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 god you've been watching too much sports net all day oh god you're Canadian you're full Canadian now Jesus forgive me um I just don't feel like that, you know, they're going to part ways with him callously, I guess is the way to put it. I think that they'll give him the year. And as long as there's a clear understanding that he'll be the backup, um, I just don't see Georgie as the, you know, the long term back. I just don't see it. So um, I agree with you there. I kind of thought it might have been fun to trade Strom because the returns were pretty good today. It seemed like a real seller's market today. But listening to what you just said, Dave, I think was like you hit the nail on the head. I think that was pretty spot on. Yeah. Why, thank you. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It sounds like look at that, we're all friends here. It sounds <laughs> like, you know, a lot of GMs. I can't remember who it was, but um, at least one GM said specifically that he doesn't prefer to make big moves on deadline day. It's more about adding at the margins and it's better to make those big sort of transformational moves over the summer. I think it was the Flyers GM. Actually, he was talking about them adding just a couple of depth pieces, Nate Thompson and Derek Grant, I think. Um, so, you know, whatever that doesn't make them any better at all in my estimation, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, as it relates to the goalies too, I have a quick piece to say about this and, you know, I don't think I'll go full rant here, but to all the people that um, are worried about this franchise, disrespecting, screwing over, um, being uh, a-holes to Henrik Lundqvist, everybody just needs to take a deep breath and relax and realize that John Davidson, who played for the New York Rangers and has an incredible amount of respect for the organization um, and its players and its fans runs the show. He fully understands what Lundqvist means to this franchise and he fully understands what Lundqvist is going through as a player. And he said multiple times today during his press conference that they have, they've, there's been open communication between management and Lundqvist, between David Quinn and Lundqvist so, you know, look, I know people got all kind of hot and bothered over the last few weeks because Shesterkin played. And then when Shesterkin didn't play, it was Georgiev and Lundqvist hasn't played very much. And everyone was worried that they were going to, you know, that they're going to unceremoniously dump the guy at the end of the year. That's not going to happen. And I think that people need to 
stop hitting the sort of panic button and and automatically defaulting to this place of which happens a lot with this fan base and I think it's true of a lot of fan bases but the Rangers are um run by a bunch of callous idiots and everything they do is wrong and they're you know they're they're just they're disrespecting uh the king and that's not happening I promise you it's not happening and I don't have any inside information I'm not over here breaking any trades like uh like Shana was earlier in the day but but that is not happening. They're talking with him, and he's probably now going to play at least a few games down the stretch. And by the way, he has a job to do because the Rangers are four points out of a playoff spot as we record this with a massive game coming up against the Islanders uh, on Tuesday. And then they play the Flyers, I believe, on Friday. So they're right in this thing. And I think that that's, you know, the other thing is by handling this deadline the way that they did today, they remain firmly in the playoff hunt, and they spoke again today about why they think it's important to play meaningful games down the stretch with such a young team. So, look, overall, kind of taking stock on the whole thing, I'm glad the Rangers kind of went about this the way that they did. It hurts in the short term to lose Brady Shea, but I also do think that he's replaceable now and definitely replaceable, if not uh, a, a place that they can improve upon come the summertime. So, um, do you guys have any have any other kind of final thoughts about where the Rangers stand as we enter the uh, the final quarter of the season here? No, none. For asking me. people asking people to not panic in this fan base is very wishful thinking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, we enjoy all it. Know, the rebuild. <laughs> yeah, like this is uh, uh, Becky hit the nail on the head. This is a rebuild. You don't need to worry about what the def- left defense looks like right now. Yeah, it's a train wreck. It's Stahl, it's Smith, and it's Lindgren. And Lindgren is by <laughs> far the best option there. And let's also, just a note on him, let's just all admit we were wrong on that trade. Lindgren is pretty solid, and he's evolving into one of the better defensemen on the team. So we can all just take the L on that. We were wrong. But he impress he he impresses me every time I watch him, and you know I know that there's definitely a fox or potentially sorry a fox effect there that he's playing with, you know maybe one of the up and coming elite defensemen in the league. But even just from kind of an eye test perspective, he skates much better than I think people thought he would. He's definitely I think worked on his skating too, but passes the puck well, makes good decisions, and obviously is quite literally willing to stick his face in front of any oncoming <laughs> sticker puck if it means keeping the puck out of the net. Oh, my so, God. And we always appreciate yeah. that. That was so and sick. A, he was bleeding all over the place, and the ref was like, you need to get stitched up again, buddy. Like, like five, you, five, you are five sloppy. Games in a row. Five games in a row he's been bleeding all over the place. It's crazy. Poor thing. And this know, is the, what we should enjoy. God. The, Can we talk about the moms, by the way? I'm, like, really going to derail for a Yo. second, but... No, let's talk about the bring moms. the moms everywhere. The moms. Seriously, like, like they should. That mom's trip needs to be extended indefinitely because the moms are the wonderful good luck charms, and Trish Strom just bringing the shishnork into it. It was just amazing. <laughs> like that was the most wholesome, wonderful content I have seen in a long time, and I am so here for it. And they play well in front of their moms. And poor Lindgren's mom had to watch her son's face get, like, beat to all hell. And that's that's my mom rant. Mom's rule. And moms were in the building on Saturday night, too. So, moms. We need at least one mom in the building for every game the remainder of the year. That's that's the rule. I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah, agreed. It is much better than the dad trip where we were all focusing on how much of a serial killer Rick Nash's dad looked like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, yes. But, yeah, and the dads kind of just get drunk, really drunk, and like don't <laughs> do any... They, there's definitely a, uh, at least a small contingent of them. You can tell like eight or ten of them are just wasted by the time the game is in the second period. And you're like, okay, maybe we can't pan over to the dads at this point because one of them is like taking his jersey off or something. It gets, <laughs> it gets weird. And Rick Nash's Topless dad dads. is plotting which one he's going to kill next. <laughs> Yeah, no, the mom's mom's forever. Um, And and look, I mean, this team, it's been such a fun last couple of months and it should be a fun last six weeks here. And that's that is ultimately why we do this. You know, why why are we sitting here in our houses talking about this stupid hockey team? It's because it's fun to root for them and we we want them to win and and be successful. And the more they win, the more fun it is. And, And also, as we've pointed out, the wins have not been smoke and mirrors for the first time in a long time. They're actually playing really solid hockey, and, and hopefully that continues. So um, really quick, we could do a couple of minutes going around the league. Um, the Islanders, uh, you know, traded for J.G. Pajot. They gave up a lot for him, and then they signed him to a big extension. So what and do we think about— they also traded for Parisi. <laughs> oh, well, no, that happen. didn't actually go through. But, oh, my God, I, said I like, almost, wish it almost. did. Oh, almost oh, died. I thought you said. I was thinking about that uh, and how amazing that is. Do you Parisi sign? I I can't believe I forgot this. It was a thirteen year deal. He still has like yeah. seven years left, and he's thirty five. Or it's six years it's, left. He's thirty five. Like, yeah, that was bef- before I think the current CBA, which limits the contracts to seven years or eight from a team resigning a player, is the max now. So. Yeah. yeah, that was one of those, like, how can we keep the cap hit down? We just give the guy a bunch of years, and then he retires at the end. So there's, you know, now now they have to pay a penalty if he retires. The CBA yeah. is all different. So you could thank Ilya Kovalchuk for that, I think. Oh, that yeah. stupid cap recapture penalty is so dumb. It's going to be out of the next but, CBA. Yeah. I hate it. Speaking, so I was watching, so I know before I mentioned something about NHL Network, but I was watching... I guess it was the TSN coverage and Brian Burke was just going on and on about how Minnesota would be crazy to trade him and he's still producing and he's a wonderful like Minnesota. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, someone give me U.S. coverage. Like, I know that sounds terrible, but I just I, I couldn't like listen. And and they were talking about fighting all morning and uh, like why are why, why yeah, it's is been chiclets on yeah it was it was yeah it was, not it was rough yeah. anyway but to the point right so the islanders got peugeot who is shooting something ridiculous like 18 percent this year and he's good and he's a ranger killer as we all know but um i think they signed him five years five mil five six years five mil something like that they do give up i'm reading the conditions of the picks so the 2020 first round pick will shift to a 2021 first round pick if the Islanders pick is in the top three this year, which it won't be. Right. Um, a 2020 second round pick is not conditional, so that's just what it is. And then the 2022 conditional third round pick will only transfer to the Senators if the Islanders win the Stanley Cup this year. Which LOL. they're not going to do. Right. No, that's not going to happen. So it's really but, two picks for, for Peugeot. Right. But it seems like a lot of a haul i mean peugeot is good though so you know if they feel that this is what they need i don't know about signing someone to an extension when they haven't played a shift for you but 
I maybe I'm old school. I don't know. Yeah, I that's a huge risk by them signing him before he plays a game. But Trotz is a very good coach, and the Islanders did have a need for a second line center. I think Broussard what is or was their current second line center. The he's injured and uh, he's hurt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's a good. It, it addresses a need, and in that regard, fine. But if they if Lou Lamorello goes full Mike Milbury on them and <laughs> goes after Parisi in the offseason, because you know that's going to come up again, I'm just going to laugh. Landing a 30, at that point, 35, 36-year-old winger will just absolutely destroy them, and it would make me so happy. Same. Yeah. I'm here for that the would, chaos. That would be wild. Um, the other team in the Metro that was super active was Carolina. So they pick up Brady Shea, obviously from the Rangers. They also pick up your favorite player, Dave, Sammy Votnin. Uh, and former Ranger <laughs> Freddie Clayson went the Yeah, well, it, was, it ended up being Votnin for Freddie Clayson uh, plus Yanni Kuokinen, I guess you say that, and a conditional fourth round pick. Uh, and Carolina also got Vincent Trocek. So they were really uh, active today. That was a pretty big trade because Eric Halla and Lucas Walmark went the other way. They were the NHL guys that went the other way. So, look, Carolina's ahead of the Rangers in the standings. We're still talking playoffs here, as we should. Um, I know the Rangers don't have to play them anymore, but uh, Carolina, I, I would argue, got much better today. Would you guys agree with that? Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, because I really don't like them. I know everyone loves them. I'm not big on Carolina. You know yeah. who else got better? You know who else got better? And they're floating under the radar because of what Carolina did in the division? The Penguins. Oh, God, the Penguins. I know. I was like, can you stop? Jeez Louise. Adding Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez from Buffalo was a very smart move. What is Buffalo doing, by the way? We and I, you know, I know Becky. You've been talking to potentially having uh, Joe Yurden come on the podcast. Is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should ask him what on earth is going on in Buffalo because they <laughs> traded for Wayne Simmons. Hit preview. We're going to ask him that. <laughs> but they also traded away uh, Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez. So really, don't know what's going on there. Are they are they going for it or are they not going for it? Or well, I, I don't know. Rodriguez, I can't I think really they tell. Don't know. Trade? What was that? Rodriguez requested a trade, right? Not oh, he might have, yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I don't pay a lot of attention to the Sabres, admittedly, but um, I know that they got back Cahoon, right? So a lot of people were really high on him. And then there are some um, Penguins beats that I follow who were not so high on him. So I really like need to educate myself on this. But I know Rodriguez is super fast. I mean, it's stupid penguins so yeah we'll uh, we'll see what uh what kind of becomes of the buffalo sabers but i'm not particularly worried about them other than that as we mentioned before it was a lot of sort of um marginal sort of ads by the teams that are in the race uh you know i don't know what uh, Ilya kovalchuk goes from montreal to washington pretty good job by montreal turning him into assets um and the Caps have Ovechkin and Kovalchuk now. They have Ovi and Kovi. So, you know, I, I, I saw someone tweet there will be a vodka shortage in the world if the Caps win another Stanley Cup. So, oh, there you know, that's God. So. I, Okay, so what I find interesting, and I'm going to push this agenda right now, is that the Toronto Maple Leafs did nothing. I don't know what they Other did. than, 
I mean, other than add a bunch of 13 and 14th forwards, which they've yeah. done every other day for the last two weeks, I have no idea what's going on there, but I think they're embarrassing. I'm sorry. I yeah. just think that that's one of the most embarrassing operations in the NHL. It just absolutely. They re-signed Jake Muzzin. I know that they gave him a contract extension uh, today, but just they have no idea how to fix the defense and goaltending situation. And it, it's eerily reminiscent of the Rangers. And I mean, obviously, look, they loaded up on offensive talent. They are extremely gifted in terms of scoring and creating offense. But some of the goals they gave up to Carolina, and I went back and watched those highlights because of the David Ayers thing. But my, oh my, just absolutely. I mean, this was the lowest of the low points of the AV era type of defense played by the Leafs. I mean, it is, it's an abomination, really. And that is going to make things interesting for the Rangers pick because there's a non-zero chance Toronto misses the playoffs, which means Mm -hmm. there's a non-zero chance they wind up in the top 10 pick, which means the Rangers, no matter what, get Carolina's pick. So there are implications for the Rangers there. But that division, the Atlantic Atlantic is a two-team race. It's Tampa and Boston. Yeah. And don't sleep on Barclay Goudreau going to Tampa. Don't sleep on that. That yeah. is a solid move. Expensive, but solid. Yeah, Tampa Tampa's look they they had a slow start and I was kind of maybe hoping that their window had silently uh slid shut after they got swept last year by Columbus, but they've obviously turned back into a powerhouse. I mean, they are kind of in a class of their own the last couple of months too that at the you know just the in terms of their underlying numbers but also their their overall overall results um you know I don't love to see it because I'm not no fan of the Tampa Bay Lightning but you're absolutely right I mean they are probably the best team in the east and the east is clearly the better conference I mean I don't even know what to make of the western conference and right now I mean that's just that's completely wide open um, it doesn't really look like there's any odds on favor to come out of the West. So I agree. I think the East in general is kind of a Boston-Tampa Bay race. I mean, the Metro itself is just a bloodbath, but are any of those Metro teams better than Boston or Tampa, even nope. the Caps or Pittsburgh? Maybe Pittsburgh. P- Pittsburgh now, could th- probably now... hang, but that's it. Pittsburgh yeah. can hang because of their forward depth, but it, th- this is Tampa and Boston's race for the Cup, I think. Granted, I don't know what Vegas is doing trading for Robin Lehner out west. Well, Vegas has been, I mean, as far as like just following charts and stacks, because again, I, you know, I don't, I don't watch Vegas, but they're supposed to be very, very good. Um, but their goaltending has not been great. Yeah. Right. Flurry has been sub 900 save percentage for a bit now. Um, and Malcolm Subban is a good backup but not necessarily the answer and laner has been really good um you know there was a lot of talk about how surprising he was in chicago because chicago is such a dumpster fire and they you know he was still able to kind of keep the the team in it so it wasn't a bad move i think that probably they didn't really get much back for Leonard. um but I'm not really concerned about the Chicago Blackhawks. So. I honestly didn't know that Vegas' goaltending was that bad. I thought Flurry was still doing Flurry things. I didn't know that it's he was It's been that a weird year for goaltending. It's, 
Yeah. It's definitely been a weird. a weird year for goaltender. I mean, like, Holpe is garbage this year. And I say that all the yeah, time he's because he's one of my fantasy goalies and it's a money league and he's going to cost me money this year because I'm like, I have PTSD from Kerry Lettinen. I couldn't drop <laughs> him years ago. And now I'm in the same way. I can't drop Holpe even though I don't play him. But Holpe's like atrocious. He gave up seven goals like a week and a half ago. All seven. I mean, it's it's... It's, I think it's also a matter of, like, we're seeing these goalies who were, you know, I hate the word, but elite. Um, or we're seeing goalies who were very good and they're aging and they're kind of fading away. And, you know, you kind of expect them to be good based on name alone. And then, bam, you're like, oh, you've got like an eight, you know, 885 save percentage and you're still in. You're still the starter because you are Marc-Andre Fleury or Braden Holtby. It's not. It's not great. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it to me for picking up Alex Georgiev two days ago. I picked up Shostorkin the first day that he got called up. Yeah, smart. I mean, granted, I didn't really know that a car accident was coming, but you know, I do have well, Georgiev, so God. it worked. Yeah, and also let's uh, let's let's toast Benoit Lair right now because the Rangers' goaltending situation is so good compared to the rest of the league, and I think. You know, no matter where this rebuild goes, obviously you need health and you do you need luck regardless. But in a league where goaltending is very unpredictable, um, and a lot of teams struggle to find consistency there, even when they think they have a number one guy, the Rangers are currently blessed with three number one guys. And you know, almost always, even when there is an undisputed number one, they almost always find a better than average backup, and they usually are able to turn that backup into other assets through a trade. So. And that is almost surely, sing- not single-handedly, but largely the work of Benoit Allaire and their scouting department, which I don't think gets enough credit either. I think the Rangers have an incredible scouting operation, uh, not only for goalies, but across the board. So, And we're kind of seeing that all come together as this rebuild uh, marches forward. So, all right, guys, I think that's it. That's our uh, trade deadline recap show. Any other uh, thoughts before we go? Obviously, big week for the Rangers coming up with games against... The Islanders uh, tonight, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, I can't remember who they play Thursday off the top of my head. I know they play the Flyers on Friday, so... I think it's Montreal. Look, four points out of Montreal, yeah. you're right. I yeah. thought that four the Flyers po- were back-to-back, but I am guessing... Flyers nope. are back-to-back. Well, no, not, well, no, they're a home-and-home. They're a home-and-home, but they're not back-to-back, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's the well, that's- Islanders, Canadians, Flyers in Philly, and then on Sunday, it's Flyers in at MSG. Yeah, well, that's a fun week of hockey, and you know, Blue Seat Blogs is going to have all the content you need to kind of to kind of get through it. So um, that's it. That's it for us here. Thanks for listening. Live from the Blue Seats is a production of Blue Seat Blogs. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We're currently on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and hosted on Acast. If you can spare a minute, please leave us a rating and review as it helps other fans find the show. Check out blueseatblogs.com, the longest-running fan site for all things Rangers, from news and opinion to video analysis and so much more. For Dave and Becky, this is Rob signing off. We will see you next time. 